The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. Oh, we can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salud to the perfect day. Corona. La vida mas fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Really, I think I deserve a piece of the gold jacket, or the green jacket, not the gold jacket, the green jacket. Um, I texted him prior to him teeing off, trying to gas a friend up, obviously, and he proceeds to double bogey one, which everyone saw, and then he said he's never smiled slash laughed more after a double bogey in his life. So really, if it wasn't for me, he would have been in the dumps, in the tank, and then he went on to shoot nine under through the next 17 holes. So really... I think I played a big part in Sunday's victory. Are you still invited into the foursomes? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he'll never be able to get rid of me now, so we're in this together. Zach Ertz claiming extra credit for John Rahm winning the Masters a few days ago because of Ertz's comment via group text about the quality of the green it's a breeze on the first hole etc etc rom went on to four putt and rom brought it up on sunday after he won the green jacket and that's Ertz's response it just still seems random that john rom is friends with zach Ertz. <laughs> it, does, it is it random is. you're right but the sports world as we know we've, we've actually i think we talked about this the other day with just the nfl world the sports world in general right is just it's it's smaller now than ever. It's just it's easy for these guys to get around, uh, and you know there's a lot of events that they're always being asked to be a part of, charity events, whatever else. And you know through social media, I feel like it has. It's just shrunk everything together. Where yeah, oh hey yeah, I'm gonna go this weekend and hang out. I had a buddy, you know who who was hanging out with Travis Kelsey, you know, the right before he threw those bad pitches in Cleveland, right? I mean, it's just the world has gone so small that way to where everybody seems to have access and hang out with each other if you're running in the same circles. Well, and it's so much easier to keep in touch now that we carry yeah. around this little magic box. It allows us to send a comment, send a gift, send an emoji to anyone, anytime, anywhere, react to it, respond to it whenever we feel like. It's just easier to cultivate relationships that way. We yes, hear people say right. all the time, and it's true, we don't know our neighbors. We don't know our neighbors, but we have greater connections <laughs> with the people who don't live in our neighborhood than we've ever had before. It used to be a big deal when I was a kid. It was a big deal to make a long-distance phone call. It was like this mystery. 
We're going to call somebody who lives in another state. Now, we have to be very efficient and economical with our words because it's ridiculously expensive. And it was before they broke up Ma Bell in the early 80s. You had to take out a second mortgage on your home if you wanted to call (laughs) California and talk for more than 10 minutes. And there would be these instances you'd hear of about somebody having a $100 phone bill because one of the kids in the family met someone while they were at the beach and secretly was calling in the middle of the night. Yeah, Yeah. And, and like the... The 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 hundred dollar phone bill bill was the worst thing you could imagine, and uh, so uh, now it, I remember going through the transition once the cell phones became prevalent. Like, wait a minute, I can call anywhere I want, and I'm not going to feel like I'm in the back seat of the most expensive cab in the world, where the price is shooting through the roof. If we just make small talk, like we can't make small talk at all. You can't make big talk. You can't make any talk because you just feel that this fuse is burning toward the stick of dynamite before your bank account explodes because of this one phone call. And now you pick up your phone and you call anywhere. You call Bangladesh and it doesn't cost any money, uh, wherever Bangladesh is. I don't know where Bangladesh is, and I'm sure I'm now going to find out. And it's been an interesting week. I've had some very interesting and compelling and enlightening emails from folks who have reacted to – the things I had to say yesterday about our broken, hopelessly broken political system, and then my comments earlier in the week about religion. I'm I'm in, I'm engaging in some meaningful dialogue with people who aren't my neighbors, right. but people who live God knows where yeah, about right. heaven and hell and everything in between. Well, it, I mean, uh, uh, Bangladesh, that's like Indonesia, right? That's Southeast Asia. That's down there in that area, I believe. I believe somewhere. I'm, I'm in the general region. I know that. And then, you know, I don't know. You're right. Like this thing, it's great, but damn, it's it's horrible too. I don't know which way to fall on this damn thing at times. I'm telling you. I love like, yeah, it's instant access and all that, but gosh, it never ends. Just something, t- text, email, whatever, alert. And uh, it does drive me crazy at times too. I wish we could find a more fine line with this uh, social media and all this access and everything, and my kids just on TikTok all day long and looking and, you know, just can't get off the phone. Uh, that's where I question the phone and its value that way. Oh, one other thing. One other thing. Get Aren't off they going to ban TikTok? Weren't they talking about banning TikTok? They were talking. They ta- it's like the second time they've talked about it. it apparently, China's getting too much information or something like that. But you know what? I will, Let's do something today together. We've never done this before. My wife wants us to say hi to her, okay? So let's say hi to Danielle. Danielle told me, she's like, you never say hi to me on the show. You talk about Aunt Wendy or whatever else. Like, you never say hi. So say hi to me to start the show tomorrow. So hi, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? (laughs) Hi, Danielle. I'm sorry you have to deal with that giant-headed freak every day. (laughs) I understand why you have so many barnyard animals to distract (laughs) you from your husband. That's right. There you go. Thank you. Very nice. Way to go. Thank you. Uh, and keep protecting da- Daffodil from uh, yes. the uh, stray hawks and foxes. And there's Bangladesh on the Bay of Bengal. There it Bangladesh, is. East of India. So now I know where Bangladesh is. I'm horrible when it comes to non-American geography. I mean, Europe, I can kind of get. But like Italy, like who doesn't know Italy, the shape of Italy? But Spain, because I know it's 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 at the, you know, the westernmost edge of Europe. But... Once you start straying into Europe and beyond, 
I don't know what country it, get, it is. It can get Russia's tough. That Middle somewhere. East area, the Far East, all that. Yeah, I'm not so sure how good I am. I, I know generalities, but I don't know if I could specifically blank map just fill in the countries. I don't know if I could do that. My evening routine in the off season is to watch the NBC Nightly News. And yes, I am sad to report that I'm now old enough to be in the NBC Nightly News demographic. And then Jeopardy after that. Not live. Like usually I get to the point where I can settle in and I'll be working and I'll have it on and within 7 to 7.30, like a half hour yeah. after it all starts. But Jeopardy is one of those games where I am reminded at once that I know a few things about meaningless stuff. Right. And but that you're I'm clueless. also clueless on other things. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And, and, yeah. and like, I could win that if all the right topics happen to be on the same night. Because there are certain topics where I could run that freaking board. Ag- I could run I, that I, board. I hear you. I hear you. But then there are, other, there are other topics where it's like, don't even bother. Just don't bother. <laughs> like, I'll just, I'll just take that clicker and put it on the desk and let the others have their fun. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I hear you. I have, I'm, I'm a, a casual Jeopardy watcher as well, and I will have nights where I'm proud of myself and I stick out my chest and I look over at like my daughter and I go, "Damn, your dad's good, huh?" But then you know, two days later, like you're saying, you can be watching and sitting there, and I go, "I, I, I'm the dumbest shit in, on earth. I don't know any of this. Oh my god, I couldn't even know." You know, and then you start to get flustered. You're like, "Wait, I got to know one of these." You start throwing out words that. You don't even know what the hell they mean, but I love Jeopardy. It's the time of year I start to watch more and more of it, too. What is sativa? <laughs> I know that. See, that's a Indica? column. If they had a Mary Jane column, I'll dominate. If they have <laughs> NFL lawyer column, domination by Mike Florio. I don't doubt that. I always, I always uh, hold my breath for a half second before they announce the final Jeopardy category because... Uh, and sometimes, sometimes like the category sounds really difficult, but then the question or the answer or however they properly frame it is so simple. It's like they really intimidate you with the category name to get you to not go all in with your bet. And then some stupid question like, you know, two plus two level difficulty, and then they all get it right. I always feel best and smartest on those rare occasions. And I'd say it happens two, three times a year where I know the answer to Final Jeopardy and none of the contestants do. That's that's a good feeling. Wow. Yeah. But then there's also the flip side of that is when I am 100% sure that I know the answer to Final Jeopardy and I'm wrong. That's the face plant. So that balances out. That happens probably more often than the rare occasions when I know the answer to Final Jeopardy and everyone else is stumped. I would think so. Yeah, I would. Uh, it, it's uh, it's a great show, though. It's amazing, and it doesn't get dull. It's and, and it's one of those. I don't know what it is. Like you, like you just said, I don't know when I got you know watching the nightly news years old. Right? Like it's kind of the same thing with Jeopardy, where you hit. A, I hit an age a few years ago where I was like, damn, this Jeopardy. I get this. I understand why all these old people sit in front of the TV and watch this show. Right? It, it, it hits you around 40, and uh, now I'm an old-timer like you watching it You know, on a lot of nights. Well, well <laughs> here, here's what I'm resisting, because I, I, I assume this is the case in most markets because the shows are syndicated, but yeah. in every market someone has Jeopardy, and 7 o'clock Eastern is when it's on here. 
I'm resisting any and all temptation to stick around for Wheel of Fortune because I think you're really in the old-timer demographic if you're watching Wheel of Fortune. (laughs) Even though they're trying to make it fresh and hip and young and there's just like – it just – like you have to be at least 70, maybe 75 to watch Wheel of Fortune. All all apologies to Pat Sajak and Vanna White, who have been doing it so long. I think Aren't they 75? You're close to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they're close to it. <laughs> right. right. But but we like Jeff, there, there's a there's a. A cool, I don't want to say cool factor to Jeopardy. It's like nerdy cool. Yeah, I got you. Wheel of Fortune, I don't know what that is, but I just feel like once you're watching Wheel of Fortune every night, you you just that's it. It's done. You're just you're just you're just watching the clock for the time you find out whether there is a heaven or a hell. Yeah, and wait, Pat Sajak seventy six, Vanna White sixty six. So man, Pat Sajak, he's doing good for seventy six. I saw Pat Sajak when I used to take the train back and forth from the BWI station to New York City. And this was, I stopped doing this eight, nine years ago once I started flying again. But I saw Pat Sajak and family getting on because I think he lives in Baltimore. He's from Baltimore or something like that. But the, the, the celebrities that you randomly see on the train back and forth from D.C., Baltimore area to New York, it really is amazing, like far more than you see on a plane. And I, I, I like the names still are in my head. Michael Phelps was on there one day because wow. he is a Baltimore yeah. guy. George yeah. Clooney was on one day. Wow. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, tiny little skinny, frail Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Was it's the on way one to go day. up Henry in this Kissinger. area. Yeah. Henry Kissinger yeah. was sitting there one day. Rudy Giuliani. Wow. One day. Some big uh, names. And I'm sure I'm forgetting some of them. That's so, big enough, yeah. though. That's a pretty uh, good just, group. But it it is it's one of the it's one of the underrated things about the Northeast is you know the train systems can make life easy and if you have a drive that's an hour and a half two hours like that you know or New York to Boston which three hours the train is you know much more enjoyable let much less stressful and you can kind of just sit back but you know it's I don't know whatever for whatever reason it's one of those industries that doesn't seem to thrive uh, in our country even though it's probably time since it's you know going to be 88 degrees here uh in the in the start of april here with a little global warming to in the northeast you know it's funny we've now burned up the first 12 or 13 minutes of the show and some days when i come up here and people enjoy or at least they say they do who the hell knows (laughs) whether you enjoy it or not you're stuck with it this first 10 minutes where we talk about whatever we feel like talking about some mornings i know exactly what i want to raise with you some mornings I have no freaking clue what we're going to talk about. And some mornings I have a rough idea of something I want to mention and just pull the thread and discuss, but we never get to it because some other shit comes up and that's what we talk about for the first 12 or 13 minutes. And today, Jeopardy, the train system, spotting celebrities on trains, Pat Sajak, Wheel of Fortune, all organic, unplanned. Oh, and by the way, we both have dropped an S-bomb today. And I did get a complaint from someone who's only able to listen to the show in the mornings until his young son wakes up because he doesn't want his son to be exposed to profanity. And I told him what you always say. The kid's got to learn kid's something. Kid's got to learn somehow. Might as well learn right here on Peacock. Some football talk, right? He wants to know football, get in the locker room a little bit. Well, this is your... Eth in place, kid. <laughs>
<laughs> well, uh, off go. we go. And thank you for exercising <laughs> some you. self-restraint over yourself. So uh, yesterday, and you know things aren't as as active as maybe they will be in a couple of weeks when the big news of the day is a failed top five pick being traded for a fifth round selection from Detroit to Atlanta. But here we are, Jeff Okuda, who never really meshed with the Lions, but who did start 15 games last year, Yeah, but never became the guy he was supposed to be, the third overall pick in 2020, I believe. I yes, believe 2020, right. the right. last year of the Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia regime. He's traded the Falcons for a fifth-round pick. There he is, the third guy taken after Joe Burrow and Chase Young. And, look, it just shows you how random – the draft is where the stars come from where they don't come from who works out who doesn't work out but burrow far and away the star of that draft class and chase young was the defensive rookie of the year but now they're wrestling with whether to pick up his fifth year option okuda's fifth year option coming up it would be a stunner of all stunners if the falcons would pick it up yeah the fact that he went for a fifth round pick that that's all they could get for him tells you that that fifth year option is not going to be picked up on Jeff Okuda but now the Falcons have him and they've got a first round corner from 2020 in AJ Terrell who will have the fifth year option picked up unless they sign him to a long-term contract before then so now they've got two first round corners from the same draft a guy who was taken in the 20s and a guy who was taken third overall yeah you know Okuda was a little bit like one of those you know guys we were talking about yesterday in the draft a little or when we were going through the edge guys, where it was like the hype, right? Top recruit, went to Ohio State. They were very good. He was good, but got a little overhyped, right? That, that's how I kind of looked at it. Anybody could tell you, Mike, I was – A.J. Terrell was one of my favorite corners in that draft. You know, I actually had Jeff Okuda as number three. But Okuda, yeah, he's a good football player. It hasn't worked out. It hasn't. And then we, we see that happen from time to time, right, Mike, with these, you know, top-round picks. Now, whether he turns it around, I don't know, right, uh, you know, and, and can play to a level of the expectations of the top-five pick. I don't think that's going to happen, you know. And, and then that's where sometimes the draft and all that hype puts this unfair expectation on a kid where you go, well, no, we, he was misevaluated. He's not as good as everybody keeps telling him he is. Um, but – he is starting caliber corner in the NFL with a lot of traits and things you like to go, wait, this guy can hang around and be, you know, a contributor or starter for our football team for a long time. And I think in the perfect world, Mike, right, like we saw an instance like this, Evan Ingram, right, last year. He's at the Giants. We've talked about him a few times where it just it kind of got negativity rolling downhill and it kept get, gaining steam. And that's kind of what happened to Jeff Okuda. And I felt like, you know, hey, this is a good move for the Lions. I do think for the Falcons, too. It gives him a fresh start, and maybe he can rejuvenate his career, you know, under a new coaching staff and some people who can give him some new messages and new life. And nobody really knows what makes a player a bust. It's not just the player. I think over the years the player gets blamed. It's the fit. It's the city. It's a young guy being thrust into a new location, a new everything. And – We talked about some of this yesterday. The idea that if you're taken sufficiently high in the draft, you feel like you've won and the game is over and you can just exist. Hey, I'm a a top three draft pick. I'm pretty damn good. I don't have to listen. I don't have to work. I don't have to do anything. I've arrived. And then all of a sudden, reality smacks you in the face and you get into a tailspin. And he had injury issues the first couple of years. Last year was the first season. He was healthy wire to wire for the most part. But 15 games, 15 starts. 
And that tells you that the Lions thought something of him. They put him out on the field to start every game that he was healthy enough to play last year. 15 games, 15 starts. So there's something there, and sometimes that change of scenery is the thing exactly. that hits that reset button. Right. That you finally clear out this idea that I've got it made because I was a third overall pick. Yeah. All these people fawning over me, all these people praising me, all these people telling me I'm great, and I lose sight of the fact that i got to put in even more work than whatever, whatever work I've put in before. I've got to put in even more to live up to the status that has now been given to me. The status comes with an expectation. And again, it's just one of many factors. Definitely. But he's good enough to play in the NFL. Yes, he is. Maybe he was misevaluated, or maybe he just didn't take it seriously enough. Yeah. Or maybe it was just a bad fit. Maybe it was just a – I mean, grand scheme of things, we're talking about three years. Yeah. Three years does not seem like much. But for an NFL player early in his career, three years can be everything. Yeah, it, it can. It, it sets the, you know, the mold and the perception gets set around you, right? And it, it becomes hard to kind of break some of those barriers down once they're, they're built up and people have said things about you, and that's kind of how you're viewed. With Akuda. You know, and, and, and the that situation, Mike, you bring up good points. You, you know, we, we hit on this a little yesterday, right? Yeah, you're a top pick. You get, you know, the red carpet rose petals, and that sometimes can make guys go, hey, I'm the man, and, you know, there's nothing I can do wrong here. And this one, I get more of the inclination. This is a guy that it was like it's, it's the opposite. It's the pressure. It's the, I got to try harder. I got to work harder. And he's so uptight playing and whatever else that things that he can do that are basic his whole life, like he can't do them because he's overthinking and he's overworking and he's overtrying. I kind of get that sense. And, you know, I, I know some people that know the kid. He's from New Jersey. Uh, and, and I feel like that, that might be part of it, too. It can kind of go either way. I'm not sure here, but I think that's, you know, where we're at. But regardless, yeah. You know, you, you said it right. He can play. He needs a new message. He needs a new vibe. He needs some people, needs a microscope, you know, off of him where, oh, you know, every time he let up a pass up in Detroit, it was, oh, we drafted. What a bust he is at number three. It's just hard to live like that as a young adult, like you're explaining with all the other factors that go into it. And then you're getting that on top of it. It's hard to fight through that. And hopefully now it can be a jump off point for some new confidence and new life for him. And that's a good point, and I'm glad you raised it. There can be circumstances where a guy puts too much pressure on himself Definitely. because of this status that has been thrust upon him. How do I live up to it? Right. And every mistake I make is going to be magnified. I'm not just some rookie who's wet behind the ears. I'm a guy where there is intense pressure on me to live up to this notion that I'm a top five pick, that I'm the third guy taken, helping to turn around this Lions team that – washed out Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia after 2020, and then in comes a new regime. And where do we go? What do we do? How do we figure this out? And everything is new, and you're still early in your career, and you put even more pressure on yourself. And I think when you're injured, too, there's an even greater sense of pressure, not just to get healthy, but yeah. when you are healthy, to all of a sudden turn it around. And Agreed. look, this I remember back in 2006 when Reggie Bush – 
was the presumptive number one overall pick of the Houston Texans, and then he wasn't. And it sounds ridiculous in hindsight to believe that any of it was influenced by the fact that his family was getting benefits from an agency that wanted to represent him, and it all blew up with the NCAA. And God, how hypocritical it looks in hindsight. That Seriously, the NCAA is chasing guys. Did around they give him back his Heisman? Getting <laughs> no, no, but they they, no, should. But they should. You're right. They should. But right? anyway. Anyway, that all came up a week or two before the draft, and the Texans ended up taking Mario Williams. And, again, how do you justify being taken high in the draft when you play a position that doesn't allow you to create the kind of statistics that makes it easier to justify why you've been taken that high? And for a pass rusher, you better go out and have two or three sacks a game. And for a corner, you better have – one interception every other game. You better finish with seven, eight, nine, ten interceptions to justify because we need something tangible that we can point to and say this is why he was taken that high. Other yeah. than Deion Sanders, it's kind of hard to justify being taken that high at corner because there's nothing anyone can point to unless you're taking away half the field. Yeah. As right. as a shutdown corner, yeah. there's nothing tangible you can point to to say, ah, oh, that's why we took that guy. You otherwise just fall into the vat with everyone else, and it's impossible to stand out in a way that justifies why you were taking that high. Oh, exactly right. And sometimes you become that shutdown corner, and then it gets used against you, right? Like Darrell Rivas, he's a shut, and people go, well, look, he doesn't have that many interceptions. He didn't have that many pass breakups. And it's like, yeah, no crap, because nobody wanted to throw near him. So it was the greatness of him that had the no stats and all that. But, yeah, it's a tough position. And, Mike, we kind of talked about this, I feel like, maybe it was last week, or actually maybe it was when I was uh, – but, but, like, to your point with corners, and I maybe I was talking about this on my podcast, it's got to be maybe – you've got to be one of the most mentally strong positions in, in sports or football because of the things you're talking about. Oh, i got to cover one of the greatest athletes in the world, and if he gets a catch, I'm looked at like, damn, you didn't do a good job. How dare you didn't cover Jamar Chase, who runs 4-3 and has a 40-inch vertical and could go wherever he wants, and you follow. It, it's brutal. It is. And he's, uh, yeah, he's learning the hard way. But hopefully this will be the thing for Jeff Okuda to turn it all around and get him back on track. And, you know, with that, Mike, too, I throw out there and just go, like, great Scots, the Atlanta Falcons, and what they've done to revamp their defense and their team a little bit. And on that side of the ball, it's uh, it's pretty damn impressive. What are you shaking your head at? What are you looking at? Did I say something stupid? <laughs> Great Scots, great, great Scots, Scots. Yeah. not great Scott, but yeah. great Scots. There are yeah. plenty of Scots out there, and they're all great. The The uh, idea that you mentioned is something you said on this program, and I remember watching football as a youth, and the first time I heard that phrase, you got to have a short memory to play right. corner in the NFL, right. but you got to forget if you just got burned. Because if you're obsessed with what happened on the last play, the next thing you know, that guy's going to be you running by you. Again. You're going to be Tyree Kill right. biting for that that double move in exaggerated fashion so the kid could break free for the long touchdown. You just can't get it done if you're focused on the mistake you made or you didn't even make a mistake. You did everything you could yeah. right, but the ball was placed Perfect in the spot ball, where the great player was five inches yeah. taller than right. you reached up and grabbed. Right, it. Justin Jefferson reached like this with one hand and caught it you know, seven feet from his body, and you go, damn, I actually was in great position there. It is. It's brutal that way. It is. But Atlanta – with this new crew and their new defensive coordinator coming from you know the New Orleans Saints, 
And New Orleans is a team that we know over the last few years, Marshawn Lattimore and company, they're an aggressive defense. They play, they like their corners to be in your face and play man-to-man. And they got two guys that could possibly do that. And then you couple that with uh, Jesse Bates, right, at, at safety. You start to go, wow, that's secondary there. And then, you know, they did some good things on their defensive front too with Cade Nellis and Anyamata, right, re-signing Lorenzo Carter. And then they're sitting here in the draft in a spot where, you know, if they don't take quarterback, they could probably add another marquee defensive player to the unit here. So they've done a great job here. And this is a a good trade because you might hit, you know, the jackpot with this guy. Like you're talking about, like like the Jaguars did with Evan Ingram. Same kind of thing where all of a sudden it's like, damn, see, he's in a better place. He's good. We changed the vibe for him. And look, he looks like he's one of the best tight ends in football. I think they're hoping that can happen here with uh, Jeff Okuda, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for him. That's what I'll say. Yeah, A.J. Terrell's the guy there. It's not like there's going to be any pressure on Jeff Okuda. you got some of these other names that have been brought in. Calais the Campbell. expectations on the team yeah. are fairly reduced, and, and you can just go thrive. And it's contract year if they don't pick up the fifth-year option, when they don't pick up the fifth-year option. So all the more reason for Okuda to get it figured out, and then next year he could hit the open market and go make some money in the – Falcons, depending upon what they do with their free agency signings and departures next year, they get a little extra compensatory draft pick for that fifth rounder they gave up. But that fifth rounder is nothing, and that just tells me there was no market for the guy. If the Falcons only gave up a five for Jeff Okuda, there was no one else out there offering a four or anything more than that for the guy who was the third overall pick. So the Falcons just quietly putting something together in a division that is wide open right now. And who knows who's going to emerge? The Panthers, you could make an argument that they could win the division. You could make an argument for the Bucks, the Saints, and maybe the Falcons are the ones who have been 7-10 and 10 each of the last two years. Right. Kind of a surprising 7-10 and 10 that doesn't feel like 7-10. and 10. It feels like they're worse than they've been, and they've been through a lot with the cap consequences of the Julio Jones trade and then the Matt Ryan trade, and they had to rip off the Band-Aid and deal with that. And now they're getting to a point where the clouds are parting a little bit, and yeah, hey, if they don't go quarterback with eight overall in the draft, right. well, it's kind of like being third or fourth if three or four quarterbacks go ahead of you from the standpoint of what you need and what you're looking for. Go ahead. We don't want a quarterback. We're going to take our chance with Desmond Ritter for a year, draft all the quarterbacks you want ahead of us. We're going we're gonna to wait to have a potentially great position player, maybe a great defensive player, whoever. Whoever the best available player is or the – player who is best on our draft board because we don't have quarterbacks on it, we're going to get a guy who's in our top three or four maybe. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I mean, you, you, you got a chance to, right, get a really a, one of the marquee front seven players in the draft. You know, I think this takes them out of the market for a corner, right? I don't know if they would think about offensive linemen right there, but I would think that defense is going to be a thing. There's no receiver that's worthy of the eighth pick. So I I would think that, yes, when all said and done, that it's going to be kind of a leftover of the top defensive players in the draft that are not corners that are going to be involved in that conversation there for at eight for Atlanta. So be interesting. But, you know, like you said, they're going to be able to get a marquee player because, you know, by all due accounts, we're going to see three or four quarterbacks go off the board in those first four picks. 
Just the fact that I'm sitting here straining to remember the last time they had a great edge rusher tells me they should just focus on getting a great edge rusher. Yeah. What was the last great edge rusher? John Abraham. Who was right? it? That was uh, who I think yeah. of. Uh, John Abraham. Um, uh, also, um, yeah, he was the last great one they had. You're right. It hasn't had a lot. Patrick Kearney was down there. He was a good football player for a while. Right, but they haven't had that guy since John Abraham came over from the New York Jets and uh, you know made some money. But you're right; it's been a long time. We'll see if they can get that going. It's, it's you can see they're trying to replicate you know things we saw in that New Orleans defense the last few years. We'll see if they can do that. They got a little work to go still. The grits blitz once upon a time was what they called the Falcons defense. I think that was like late seventies. They made it to the playoffs the first year of the fifth playoff team. It used to be four from each conference. Yeah. And I think it was late 70s. I think they played the Eagles in a wild card game. Four played five. That was the first year in my lifetime of paying attention to football that the Falcons were ever worth a crap. And I think it was the first time they were ever worth a crap because they were one of those teams that came along, I think, late 60s and just were never any good. And finally, with the grit splits and company, they had a couple of good running backs. William Andrews. Does that yeah. ring a bell? Yeah. I think William Andrews. Yeah. Uh, and they and, and they, they had they had some – they just had random scattered great players but never great enough to, to be a consistent winner. But somewhere along the line, when Steve Bartkowski Yeah, Steve Bartkowski, right, and, that area. Yeah, sure. St- I thought of Steve Bartkowski the other day because when he was the first overall pick in the 1975 draft, that was the first time the light bulb ever went off for me that there's something special about being taken high in the draft. Honor and a privilege, Mike. It's a big deal. It's an honor and a privilege to be told, hey, Steve, there's plenty of great teams out there right now that maybe could use a quarterback that they could develop over the next few years. You're going to the worst one. But you're going to Atlanta, the (laughs) place that – (laughs) <laughs> that has never had a good team. Enjoy your career. It is an honor and a privilege. It's Vic been an Beasley. Honor Vic privilege Beasley was White. another pass rusher they had that was good. He, he, go. he did lead the NFL in sacks uh, in that 2016 year, so uh, uh, give him a little love. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? In Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Vic Beasley, a first-round draft pick of the Falcons, who ultimately a mixed bag. Yeah, right? and definitely remember, who's mixed. the guy they drafted 
the, the uh, who's the guy they drafted? Who's oh Tack McKinley? Yeah, that's the last time You're they right. went all in with a potential pass rusher, right. and he didn't work out. Although he's still he's still somewhere. He's somewhere. I think he's with the Cowboys right now, but I could be wrong yeah. because I usually am. Okay, uh, Buccaneers. They drafted a linebacker fifth overall in 2019. He came of age during the 2020 postseason. He took over defensively along with Antoine Winfield Jr. Remember that play against the Saints where Winfield rips the ball out from Jared Cook. Devin White recovers it, runs it down, and really turns the game around. And then he had a couple of other moments where it's like, man, this guy can take over. If he really wants to, he can take over. Now he wants out. That's what he really wants. He's entering his fifth year at $11 million in change as his salary, but clearly frustrated by the lack of progress toward a long-term contract. White reportedly wants traded. The Buccaneers have zero intention to trade him. Your favorite word, Mike. Usually the precursor to a trade. We have zero intention to trade Devin White, which means make, make us an offer we won't refuse. That's where it stands. Yeah, uh, it, it feels like um, Roquan Smith 2.0, like right here, right now. Uh, and, you know, I know it's not apples to apples there, but awesome middle linebacker who, yes, it's a brutal position, and he plays it like a kamikaze. I mean, that's what he does. You just mentioned, you know, some of the plays he made. You know, they put a ton of pressure on him. I mean, they ask him to do things where, remember last year, there was a little bit of a, you know, a negativity on Devin White, right? What game was that? The Ravens game where he didn't play well and he didn't hustle and, and some of that. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. Right? So there Blown was, up, got shoved 30 yards down the field exactly. by Tyler Linderbaum. Remember that? Yeah, right. It wasn't, yeah. His, it wasn't his best game. It wasn't. But, you know, to be fair to the individual, too, I will say, when, and, and I think you heard me say this, they asked Devin White, to do things that most linebackers in football are not going to be asked to do. And I think that's sometimes where, you know, the public has to realize that too. You know, they put him in positions that, you know, Johnny average linebacker will never do. And his great, he'll be graded nicely by all the grading companies out there. Oh, look, he, he filled his gap. He filled his gap. He filled his gap. They asked Devin White to do cover Travis Kelsey man-to-man. Oh, we're going to do some crazy stunt in the middle. We want you to be on the edge after it's all said and done and take the D-gap and then take on that guard and make the tackle. And So he's asked to do advanced things. He's very important to their defense. And like like a running back, Mike, he's in a car crash business, and he's a big-time car crash you know, uh, player that way. So that's where I, I understand him wanting money and wanting that security right now and not risking another year with this. Yeah, if you've played well enough that they wanted to pick up the fifth-year option, that means presumably they want to keep you around. At some point, you got to draw the line in the sand and get the deal done. And when they say zero intent to trade, that tells me they are willing to sit back and see what someone will offer them for him. But the other side of it is if you're going to trade for him, you better be ready to sign him. And it is a lot like the Roquan Smith situation where it feels like an impasse has been reached. There's a number that's been put on Devin White's second contract that he's not happy with. So now he wants to move on. And it has been a mixed bag for him. You need to get him in a spot where it is going to work out, where it is going to be fruitful more often than not. And he's going to have to pack up his horse and take his horse to a new location. Remember he was riding a horse around the field. Where was this with the Lombardi trophy after they won the Super Bowl a few years back. Right. So uh, a great 
character, a guy who I thought the future was very, very bright for after that Super Bowl win. But the past couple of seasons since then, it has not been great. And it was intense scrutiny and criticism after that Thursday night game. When it looked like he was loafing at times, that became a talking point. Was he really running to the ball? Right. Had he given up on the play? And look, there's a lot that we don't know about what a guy's dealing with physically. They expect guys to keep their mouths shut about injuries that aren't on the injury report. That can be a factor. And there goes the horse. You know, they play football on there. And I know that the horses, I know from being to enough parades when I was a kid, that there are certain functions of the horses that look downright involuntary where the stuff just falls out. So I guess you consider consider it fertilizer for the uh that's right it needs that. it look it's after hey it's, but the at least it's over grass. at this point it, it's grass right they're gonna it, that's true yeah they'll make that's it true. work they'll make it work <laughs> and i do think that it was reminds like, me of jared allen riding the horse out onto the field when they put him in the ring of honor in minnesota and the horse did what horses do <laughs> and it's not grass no. so it ain't going anywhere it's no, just going it's right down not. into the little Toxic rubber pellets. Yes, uh, yeah, those great rubber. I, I used to think about that all the time with those damn rubber pellets. I used to be like, damn, I just saw like six defensive linemen standing here and they all blew their nose on the field and I'm going to get tackled there in a few minutes. This is great. It's a great spot. Way, way to go. Uh, it's not my favorite thing about those, uh, those pellets, that's for sure. I thought you were going to say that the, pellet, the pellets are the greater concern because I've seen blurbs over the years that suggest there's there's a, yeah, toxic a true toxicity sure they're ground up rubber tires right like they great good news they finally found a use a practical use for all those old tires that otherwise sit in a giant pile and periodically catch on fire they finally found a use for them the problem is they're getting in the eyes and the mouth and the open wounds of football players and soccer players and anybody who's playing on that stuff what a shock if it ends up that there are clusters of cancers because of these these toxic rubber pellets. So I know, uh, I you know. should prefer to play on, on grass. what the horse left behind. That's right. Then instead of the toxic rubber pellets. So. so yeah, but I wonder too with this whole thing with Devin White. You know what is the number? If you dropped a hamburger on the black rubber pellets, would you eat? No, it? I would not. I'm, I would. I would not do it. I would definitely not. No, no way. I'm not doing it. It's, uh, just, pop, I, it's just sesame seeds. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've learned my pellets. lesson. I dropped like my hamburger. Seeds. I'm not eating it no matter what. Pretty much at All this right. point, I learned. Um, but you know, back to the Devin White thing. You know, I I I wonder. You know, what what's what's the money he's looking for? I'm sure he views himself like you said. At his best, he's you know, at his best, he's one of the most physically gifted linebackers in football. But he hasn't been at his best the last two years. You know, yeah, it's been a little undisciplined and not playing maybe up to the total you know level that he has shown us he's capable of there. Right, but still a really damn good football player. And you know what does he want? Does he want a Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds type of contract? You know, or somewhere in that ballpark? I would guess that Tremaine Edmonds. He looks at that and goes, "Wait, I should get that." And I can imagine the Bucks going, "You know, hey, when you're at your best, sure, you should get that. But you've shown us, like you said a minute ago, you know, a year and a half here of like." Eh, it's not your best football, and we're not sure where you're going to go there. And that's probably where the disconnect would stand, at least from a guy like me who's, you know, watching from a thousand feet above and just trying to connect some dots here. Four years, 72 for Tremaine Edmonds earlier this year from the Bears and Roquan Smith toward the end of the 2022 season. Got a five-year, $100 million contract 
from the Ravens. And obviously, those are just the big picture, broad brush numbers. You have to dig into the details to see what they're really worth. But they are more significant, more dramatic than that fifth-year option. And I know that you know, people say all the time, oh, how's he ever going to live on $11 million? Folks, this is this is his life. This is what he does. This is the time now to make the money or he's not going to make it. Right. 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 This is the time to make it. And the moment that you have an overabundance of injury, ineffectiveness, you lose a step, whatever it may be, they're not going to pay you that money. Yes, $11 million is a lot of money to make, but it's going to carry this guy ostensibly for the rest of his life. You get as much as you can. You get that $25 million signing bonus if you can. You put that in the bank and you live off the interest. I mean, there's a, there, and, and uh, this gets back to the struggle we've talked about, getting people to understand that in a fight between millionaires and billionaires, we shouldn't side with the billionaires, that they're not all in the same bucket. The millionaires, first of all, a lot of them aren't even millionaires. They may be making a million a year, but that doesn't mean they got a million in the bank. Exactly. It doesn't mean they have a net worth of a million, right. and it's all going to go away. It's all going to be spent. They have four or five years, maybe, non-quarterbacks, four or five years where the windows open on significant right. compensation, if that much. So let's not let's not think negatively about a guy who's trying to get what he can while he can. I mean, Buccaneers fans may feel – because, again, you're rooting for the laundry. If you're the fan of the team – all these guys are going to be gone. Everybody on the team is going to be gone, and I'm still going to be a fan of the Buccaneers. So when in doubt, I'm siding with the team. Yeah, but understand, that's the way it is. just trying to get fair yeah. compensation for what he brings to the table, and the salary cap keeps going up and up. We, we focus on how much money a guy's making, how much he wants, but we never finish the thought by saying, oh, by the way, the salary cap, which was like $40 million when they started, is now two hundred and. 20 million plus so the money's there to pay these guys and i have no problem with a guy trying to get paid especially a guy who has proven he can be a great player yeah i i i I, i'm with you all the way there you're right this is not a you know you know not a doctor or a lawyer where we can keep doing this and we're 49 years old or 55 years old you got to strike while the iron's hot the time is now and yes i mean i listen i'm the perfect example and a guy to tell you like you better strike while the iron's hot because Crap happens, like, yeah, all the time in the sport. And then all of a sudden an injury happens, and you go, damn, I was worth a lot more money just a few weeks ago before this injury. Now it's not ever the same, and I'm never going to get that money back where I could have been a jerk, but I said, oh, let me be a good team guy and go out there and I'll just play team football and then, you know, get screwed over. And they go, hey, we don't want you on the team anymore. Get out of here. That's, you know, come on, everybody. Let's not side with the billionaires. And last thought on this before we move on. For all we know, the night that he was loafing and getting shoved around against the Baltimore Ravens, for all we know, he found out that day that they weren't going to give him the contract he wanted. Or, you know, I mean, and he's playing a position where you're constantly in danger of a serious injury. And maybe he had the realization that day or that week that they're not going to take care of me. I got to get through this season healthy before I'm going to have any shot yeah, at getting the contract right. I want. They're not going to pay me during my fourth season. I got to find a way to play this game at a high level and not put myself in a situation where I suffer an injury that derails my entire earning capacity. Guys deal with that from time to time. It's one of the many factors, one of the many issues that a pro athlete has to has to handle as he gets himself ready to go out there and get it done. All right, DeAndre Hopkins not ready to get out and get it done for the Arizona Cardinals. 
He wants out. Everybody knows he wants out. But the complicating factor is he wants a new contract. And I don't think there's a team out there that wants to give him what he wants to be paid. With that as the background, here's new Cardinals coach Jonathan Gannon talking about Hopkins not being present as the Cardinals gather for their voluntary offseason program. Uh, we'll see. You know, I've been in, in communication with D-Hop, and um, I want to do what's best for him and us at the same time. So when he's ready to come, he'll come and, and uh, improve his game too. Yeah, look, uh, short and sweet and to the point. We'll do what's best for us. He'll do what's best for him. And what's best for him is going somewhere else and getting paid accordingly. And I think he got himself in a mindset last year. When all these other receivers started yeah, making huge money, right. I'm going to get mine, I'm going to get mine, I'm going to get mine. And I think a year after Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams and and A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, I think teams are less inclined to throw a bunch of money unless you're a truly great receiver. Yeah. And when you're on the wrong side of 30, injury history, That's six right. game suspension last year for PED violation, right. regardless of whether... He did it on purpose or not. It still happened. Yep. I think those facts conspire against him to get the kind of money he's looking for, and I think that's why he hasn't been traded yet. I, I mean, agreed 100%. I think those are all the, the facts of the matter, really, that have uh, you know put a few bumps in this situation or bumps in the road here. Yeah, it's, it's, it, you know, it was a great contract for a receiver four years ago, but you do look at it now, and like you just laid out, it's, it's outdated. He's going, wait, I'm making 19 million and there's guys making a ton, ton more than that. Right. But that's the, like, he's still a really good football player. He is, but you know, that's the million dollar question. Like you're talking about is he, is, is he got good that you throw out 22, 25 million a year to him right now? You know, and, and do we think he can keep up, you know, this level of play that we've seen, you know, two years from now? Three years from now, that's the big question, and I think that's a legitimate question. You know, he, like I said, he's still really good. He can still get open. He's amazing with people around him. He's one of the best in traffic receivers ever. Back shoulders, unbelievable strong hands, 50 50 situations. But like separation, catching a slant and running for a 50 yard gain, that's not really a part of his game. And those seem to be the guys that are kind of getting the big money, to your point here. Oh, A.J. Brown, five-yard slant. Oh, zoom, 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 60-yard touchdown. Oh, hey, boom, just run straight, A.J. Zoom, 60-yard touchdown, right? That's Justin Jefferson. That's Jamar Chase. That's Tyree Kill. That's those guys. I don't know. That's where it's it's tough with DeAndre Hopkins and I think makes this situation a little murky and cloudy and not going to be easy to figure out here. Yeah, and the Cardinals have to do something because his cap number this year is just under thirty million. Right. Nine point nine nine million cap hit. He's got two years left on his contract. His and dead cap number is big too, that, right, Mike? Yeah, I it, yeah, right. But but they avoid the cash and there's not a ton of cash, but the bottom line is he's just not happy. He just doesn't want to be there. They're not going to give him the contract he wants. And he did his last contract without an agent recently. Steve Kahn, the former GM of the team, said that contract you know, was a problem. Well, he's the one who negotiated it, but now it's a problem because 
He wants to rip it up and he wants a new one. And he's hired an agent since then. And that is the key. That is the signal. That's the clue. He's looking for a new contract. It's not just what will it take to get him from the Cardinals. It's what will it take to make him happy about his contract situation. And this may be something that waits until after the draft as well. We're so close to the draft now, 15 days away. If you're looking for a receiver, see what you find in the draft. And if you don't address your needs, then you revisit the possibility of trading for DeAndre Hopkins. And the practical impact for the Cardinals will be you get nothing for him in this year's draft. Whatever you get for him counts toward next year's draft. Um, We need to take a break, but before we do, I I do have to mention this. Zach Ertz, we had the sound earlier about John Rahm. He also yesterday said that he's already noticed improvements to the facility. Well, when the facility comes in, at the dead last bottom of the NFL PA report card where the, the weight room gets an F minus an F. How do you get an F minus for your freaking weight room? Zach Ertz said, everyone wants to make a big deal of the facilities in the report card. Yes, they do. And you should make a big deal of it as well, Zach, because you play there. He says, I can see firsthand there have been improvements already. I'd love to know what the improvements are. Is it just they cleaned up the mess in the weight room? Like, what did they do that counts as improvements? And thank God there's improvements. Thank God that a team that was embarrassed publicly as being the worst organization in football as it relates to how they take care of their players has done something in the last month and a half to make it better. Thank God that's true. It would be awful if there haven't been any improvements by now because it feels like a lot of this stuff is so obvious you could fix it in a weekend. Yeah, well, agreed. You know, and I know they've made some improvements to their staff, and hopefully they, you know, improved the facility. Yeah, well, I don't know the weight room. Yeah, it sounds like not only it just it's not spacious, it's not cutting edge, and who knows what the quality of maybe the floor, whatever else it is. But like that's like the easiest damn thing to do in the world. To your point, I mean, it's the easiest thing ever, and it's like the most bright, shiny, you know, object to get like teams or players to like being there. You got to spend a lot of time in the weight room on a daily basis, right? So make it awesome. And it's also like the number one thing that like when a free agent comes in, they look at the weight room and go, damn, that's a, that's an awesome weight room. That's a great working environment. So why wouldn't you want that? And, uh, you know, good for, I'm, I'm sure Jonathan Gannon's in the owner's year. Like what the hell we got to fix this. Nobody wants to be here and play. If we're going to be crappy place like this, so good to hear they're getting it fixed. And the owners got other issues to deal with as well. We haven't talked about it yet this week, but the Terry McDonough arbitration yeah. grievance. We had some quotes on the record from former COO and executive VP Ron Miniger, who corroborates some of the things McDonough has complained about. If I'm Michael Bidwell right now, I'm concerned that voices may come forward and create enough of a hue and cry that – Mary Jo White gets activated, and the next thing you know, I'm the Dan Snyder who's getting nudged out of the club. He needs to be concerned about that. He needs to be concerned about where his team is, and he needs to be concerned about taking better care of his players so he doesn't finish dead last, F-minuses, on the next NFLPA survey report card. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, some draft talk, some draft news, some draft projects, such as which doesn't belong and why. We'll do that one, PFT. Live continues right after The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.